Well, with our extreme wildfire season taking place here in Alberta really early and really out of control, we have seen, likely all of us have seen images from cities even as far reaching into the states that are dealing with really poor air quality. But the, the idea of poor air quality isn't something that only is correlated with wildfires. It's something that a lot of cities worldwide really deal with all of the time. And there are some really interesting and unique ways that cities try to tackle this. We're going to get into it right now with our guest, who's a James McGill Professor of Chemistry and Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences at McGill University, Dr. Persa Arya. Dr. Arya, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. So we've seen the images of, you know, cities with really poor air quality due to the wildfires. But this is something, Dr. Arya, that takes place in big cities, major centers across the world and has for quite some time, hasn't it? With the climate change, uh, unfortunately, the frequency and the intensity of the forest fire are going to be enhanced, and uh, uh, we have to face the reality that the climate change is there, and if we do not mitigate it, uh, these processes are going to be worse and worse. So there are some really interesting strategies that take place to try to really quickly clean up dangerous air, and and some of those include um, different different um, regulations around who can drive on certain days in certain cities. Tell us what has been employed in some of these big centers dealing with dangerous air quality. Absolutely. Just to, in order to not just make your audience understand, air pollution is referred to any type of contamination in air that can be helpful, harmful to our health or the health of the ecosystem. So variety of the materials, for example, in case of the fire uh, burning, she uh, all lots of particles such as carbon, uh, black carbon, and so forth are being uh, are being produced in the cities right now. Most of the uh, uh, people on the planet live. So right now, our planet two percent of the continent uh, hosts most of the greenhouse gases and the particulate matter that are emitted on the planet Earth. So disproportionately, cities are the places that they consume more energy, they produce more uh, greenhouse gases and variety of the small particles that are very harmful to us. Mm-hmm. And I uh, just want to make sure that you recognize that uh, the, uh, the air pollution causes about 7 million deaths every year worldwide. 7 million. During the last three years of COVID, we had 7 million. And this one is every single year. That's just why they call it a silent killer. And this is not something new. Uh, Romans, they had regulated, when you talk about regulations in the cities, 2,000 years ago, Romans actually uh, uh, provided regulation for for decrease of the air pollution because they were doing mining and the empire was in, enlarging. So that uh, knowing, not knowing, not noting that we know that it exists and we know that there are solutions. And one of the best solution is actually reduce the pollution at its sources. And as uh, Roman used to say, "Aram corrompere nolice," polluting air is not allowed. And that was 2,000 years ago. And we have to actually. Look back. I mean, for God's sake, 2,000 years ago, they knew that we have to have very severe regulation to decrease the pollution in air and expanding our lives. 
saving lives. And uh, right now, as you mentioned, there are some uh, work that is on, uh, ongoing, and uh, I would be happy to go through it. For example, green, um, putting green spaces in cities, having the uh, not allowing people um, to go in the downtown, as such as London. You cannot drive the, uh, uh, the your cars there, or having uh, in uh, alternative days and many others. But uh, one major issue is if you want to decrease air pollution, increase, uh, you have to stop the increasing the air pollution in air mm -hmm. and decreasing the pollution in total. That is the way to grow, and we know many ways of doing it. And those things that I just mentioned, those are decreasing it, but they are not, uh, unfortunately, the solution with the, uh, with the drastic uh, changes that we are seeing right now for the long term, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, it, it seems like it's sort of we're, we're kind of chasing our tails in this endless loop when it comes to trying to mitigate um, these uh, these these really dangerous air quality conditions. And they seem to go hand in hand with natural events in some cases. And maybe you can clarify this. I know, for instance, in New Delhi, they have a bad wildfire season and then coupled with the pollution that already exists, uh, then the air quality becomes really bad. And then, and then it turns into this crackdown of activities that people can participate in in order to try to really mitigate that poor air quality, but then we're yeah. still going back to yeah. contributing to the problem later on, right? Absolutely. But, but let's think about it. There are two issues that you nicely point out. One of them is cities, and as I just brought mentioned that the cities are the hot spots for the pollutions. So if you want to get more uh, uh, basically advances uh, in air quality, you have to decrease the air pollution in cities. Those are the main uh, places that emit those uh, uh, contaminants mm -hmm. to the air. But at the same time, right now, with the climate change, we know the intensity and frequency uh, and uh, uh, the distribution of the uh, um, several uh, processes from, from hurricane here to uh, forest fire, from grot and so forth are accelerating. In that case, we have to definitely decrease it at the source, but also we have to do something else. That when we are seeing the accelerated natural activity, I don't call it isn't just just natural because it happens. But right now we have an acceleration of them that is happening uh, in part due to the climate change and human made. It is human made. What we can do is we can actually decrease the air pollution in cities significantly. For example, in Canada, 90% of almost 90% of our, us they live in urban areas. If we decrease systematically our uh, or the uh, air pollution, then even when we are exposed to the uh, smog and plume that comes in, the, the adverse effect would be much less than when uh, we are very, very already, uh, uh, when if we are, we are very already polluted, the impact can be much more adverse health effect that we, uh, that uh, uh, that is happening right now. In some cases, that are it's very easy. It's like a, po a point of no return. Mm -hmm. You're below the level of health, but if you are already very close to the limit, it is very easy for you to to surpass that limit of health, and you become more uh, have a, a chronic uh, uh, have acute and chronic uh, uh, symptoms uh, from, uh, from air pollution. You can get from respiratory to cardiac to cancer and many others. So we have to think 
Dr. Arya, I think we can we could likely keep going on this conversation for quite some time. I would hope that we can get you back as a guest to keep discussing this because obviously this is something that's a really important issue and one that we're seeing now. We see it here in this province and beyond, uh, but that is unfortunately all the time that we do have with you. So hopefully we'll get a chance to chat with you again. Really appreciate you sharing uh, all of your wisdom on this. My pleasure and have a wonderful day. Of course. Yeah, you too. Thank you. That's Dr. Persa Arya, a James McGill Professor of Chemistry and Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences at McGill University, talking about cities around the world tackling really dangerous air quality.